Welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. Thank you for joining our sermon series in the book of Psalms. Psalms contains incredible truths about God and wisdom for life. Psalms helps us learn how to pray. It teaches us to worship through all the different seasons and emotions of life and how to walk with God daily. We hope these teachings help orient your life to love and worship Christ. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Keith Yules. I have known him since he just had one child, so that's how long I have known Keith and and Becky. Well, good morning to Redeemer Midland, whether you're here, you're watching online today. So grateful that you are um, a part of the gathering of God's people today. It is a a joy, like a, a real joy and a deep joy to be with you today. Jason called me earlier this year, back in the springtime, and asked if this might be a Sunday that I could come and be with you, and I quickly said yes. And then I checked my calendar. I quickly said yes. Then I asked my wife if it was okay. That's how excited I was about being here with y'all in Midland here at Redeemer. I have a great love for this church because, as Keith said just then, I have a great love for many of your staff members, many members here. And because of my love for them, uh, it just goes out to my love for, for all of this, this church family. What a joy to be with you today. Uh, I will say it's a little humbling and a little intimidating. I've got the humbling and intimidating job today of stepping into a pulpit that Jason Hatch um, often occupies. I've got big shoes to fill this morning because of him, or maybe I should say big hunting boots to to fill for uh, Jason Hatch today. Jason is a beloved friend, a a dear brother. I've known him for about 15 years, a little over 15 years, and what a great joy that he and I had of serving together in Irving, Texas, up up in the Metroplex. Well, today I want to talk about the discipline of of God's Word, of of being in God's Word, the discipline of studying God's Word. Not just coming to church and having someone deliver God's word to you, not you being in a small group or a Bible study group and having someone else teach you God's word, but you, you in God's word. That's what I'd like for us to to look at together today, you in God's word, growing strong in your faith, uh, growing in Christ Jesus because of your time in God's word, you maturing as a disciple of Christ outside of, of this gathering, outside of, of, of a church gathering on a, on a Sunday. Uh, we live in such disagreeable times, such a disagreeable culture. There's so many uh, disagreements that we have between people, things that we, we, we hear in the news all the time. Maybe you, you feel these things also, you know, is it, is it vaccine or no vaccine? Is it mask or or no mask? Is it Republican or, or Democrat? You, you have, have these, these weighing, these tensions back and forth, and all those things have brought so much, uh, so many disagreements to, to our nation, probably so many disagreements to, uh, to Midland as well. Is it, is it LeBron or, or Jordan? It's Jordan, but I, I wanted to go ahead and share that with you as, as well, and I've seen some of you already shaking your head. No, we're already in, in a disagreement right now. Is it, is it Vin Diesel or is it Dwayne The Rock Johnson? It's well, one's named after liquid, one's named after matter, so I'll let you figure out which one is, is greater between those two. Is it, is it the, the Mavericks or, or the Rockets? Do the Spurs, they still have a team in the NBA? Are they still playing in the in, in NBA? I mean, you know, we, have all, we have these disagreements over, over teams, over, over parties, over, over our decisions that we have made. We live in such a disagreeable culture today. I'm just curious if we can agree on two things together this morning, just two things. First thing, that the Bible can be picked up and understood. 
That, that would be a first thing I'd, I'd like for us to agree upon, that the Bible can be picked up and understood. It's not a mysterious book that, that none understands. It's not a book solely for, for scholars or for preachers or for theologians. It's, it's to be handled. God's Word is to be handled. God's Word is to be read. It's not a museum piece. It's not archaic. It's not out of date. It is for all people at all times. It's not just a religious symbol. It can be picked up, and it is understandable. That's the first thing I'd like for us to agree upon today. The Bible can be picked up and understood. But here's the second thing. We could all read it more. We could all, and let me definitely throw myself into this gathering. We could all in this room be in God's word more and understand it more. So that puts us all in equal footing today, all on equal footing this morning. So it's not guilt morning today at Redeemer. It's grace morning today. We could all pick up God's word. We could all understand it more from the wisest Christian in this room to the newest Christian in this room. Those, that could be said of both of you, that you could be in God's word more. We could understand it even more. The greatest student of scripture in this house today, in, in the house of God's gathering today, the, the greatest student of scripture in this church, you still have not plumbed the depth of God's word. So can we agree on those two things, that the Bible can be picked up and understood, and that all of this today, we could pick it up more read it more and understand it more. So if you agree to that, would you just say, I agree? Okay, that's, um, that's 90%. I'll take 90%. That's, that's great. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Uh, let's go to Psalm 19. Jason said, you can preach anything from the book of, of, of Psalms. And I was like, man, that's, a, that's huge territory. So let's go to Psalm 19 together. And let's start it in verse 7. Psalm 19, verse 7. And your copy of God's Word, I hope you have one with you. Or you can share with somebody. I hope you have a smartphone with you or a device with you. Let's go to Psalm 19. Start in verse 7. Just going to read three verses this morning. We're going to look into these verses and then get some practical words from the Lord from this passage. I would encourage you, once you open up your Bible here, go and keep it open for, for the next many moments at least. Psalm 19, we'll begin in verse, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. We have six words here that all mean the same thing. They all mean the word of God. You have in verse 7, the law. Verse 7, testimony. Verse 8, precepts. Verse 8, the commandments. Verse 9, this may be a new one for you. There are times in the Old Testament that the word of God is also equated to the fear of the Lord and, and, and the rules of the Lord. Those six things. And then there's seven descriptors. Uh, we have that it's perfect in verse 7. It's sure in verse 7. It's right in verse 8. It's pure in verse 8. It is clean in verse 9, and then there's two descriptors of it in verse 9, the end of verse 9. They are true and righteous. So we have six descriptions of God's word, or six synonyms of God's words. Then we have seven adjectives or descriptors of, of God's word. Now, I'm sure Jason has taught you this because he's a great preacher. Anytime you go into God's word and you just find a small passage like this, it's very helpful to know the context. Uh, this is a psalm written by by David. It is written for the, the choir leader, written for the leader of, of worship. So David wrote this, and, and the psalm begins, if, if you might remember, in fact, it's not on the screen or anything, but if you want to turn a page, if you need to, just back in verse 1, that it's the heavens that declare the glory 
of God. So, so David starts with this really high picture of, of God, this picture of the expanse of the universe. And we see in those first five verses some statements about nature, statements about creation, statements about the heavens itself, the, the, the stars that the Lord has, has put in place. And so you go from this starry sky Verses 1 through 5, especially verse 1, and then we get to, to verse 7, or excuse me, verse 1 through 6, and we get to verse 7, and it goes to the moral law. So it kind of goes from the outside glory of God to now the glory of God found in God's word that we can, we can understand ourselves, we can be in ourselves. It also moves in verse 1 when it talks about the, 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 the heavens that God has created. In verse 1, it talks about the glory of God, the heavens declaring the glory of God. The Hebrew word there for God is, is, is a very simple word. It's a very, it's a very um, a, a, a small word, if you will, for God. It's just the word El. It's not Elohim. Uh, it is just the word El. And so you kind of see this almost an impersonal picture of God, the glory of God in the heavens. But when it comes to the word of God, we saw this listed here. It uses the word Yahweh. And so that's why in your Bible, especially if you have certain translations, the ESV does this, all four of those letters of the Lord are capitalized. That, that is the name of God. So if you will, we kind of move from, from El, this God who has made all things, to, to Yahweh, the, the personal name of God. The, the name Yahweh means that the covenant God, the covenant God who, who is faithful to his people, a God who has given a covenant of love to his people for, for a thousand generations. And so we see that the word of God is attached to the name of God, and his name is Yahweh. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers who preached out of Psalm 19, said that the first six verses of, of Psalm 19 speak of the world book. Like the, the book, that's the statement of the world giving the glory of God, describing to us the glory of God. But then he calls, calls verse 7, verse 8, and verse 9 the, the word book. Like a word from the Lord. And then he says, and my father wrote them both. The, the, the heavens that declared the glory of God. And now we also see that the word of God declares the word of God. So let me give you some benefits of being in God's word. Let me be very transparent here. My goal today is to move all of us in this room, I mean 100% of us in this room, to being in God's word ourselves this week. So just know that's my goal. I'm not trying to, to, this isn't a hiding thing. I want to be very transparent to you. This isn't a, a, a switch and bait. I am, my goal today is to get every person in this room in God's word every day this week. So let me give you the benefits of being in God's Word. We read it just then from Psalm 19, verses 7 through 9. Number one, the benefit of being God's Word is perfect. God's Word wakes up our soul. We see this in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. So God's Word is perfect, and it wakes up our soul. That's, that's the benefit of being in the perfect Word of God. There's not much perfect these days, but God's Word is. So is your soul tired, or is your soul bored or is your soul plateaued is your soul dull then being in god's word wakes it up god's word has a way of waking up our souls and maybe a lot of us today especially since you're at the first service today you need some awakening maybe you just kind of need your, your heart awakened again maybe it's maybe it's been a while since you had a passion for the lord a passion for his kingdom a passion for his glory a passion for his word and we see here that god's word gives us a passion for the glory of god it wakes up our soul. We also see, here's a benefit from being in God's word, it, it's sure. Verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is sure. God's word makes us wise. This is the benefit of being in the wisdom of God's word. It, it makes us 
wise. God's word is sure. Again, I can say to you today, not much in our world today is sure. Not much in our culture today is, is reliable. People are not reliable. But it says here, it makes wise the simple. Uh, the word simple in Hebrew is the word pithy. And, and pithy means to be naive. The word pithy in Hebrew also means to be open. In other words, you're just open to anything that might be happening around us today. Open to any philosophy that might be around us today. And, and your mind is so open and your heart is so open that God actually says, I'm going to call that a simple person, which Proverbs would call a fool. You're, you're foolish if your mind and heart's just open to any philosophy, any doctrine that might be in our world today. Any, anything that you might say, well, the majority of Americans believe this. Certainly I should believe this too. Or, or I took this test and this test told me this is, this is who I am. Or my, my heart is telling me. <laughs> Let me just tell you, friends, anytime your statement begins with my heart is telling me, be careful. It makes for a great Disney movie, but it's a horrible way to live your life. That my heart is telling me to do something. Jeremiah says, our hearts, above all else, it's deceitful. And so God's word, it makes us wise. It makes even the, the simple wise. Here's the third benefit for being in God's word. We see this in verse 8, that the precepts of the Lord are right. So God's word is right. Then The benefit of that in verse 8 is that it gives us joy. Being in the word of God brings joy to to our lives. It, 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 it's a right thing for us. If you're between the ages of 15 and, and 30, those are just random ages. I'm, I'm outside of that. So I'm, I'm, if you're between 15 and 30, just know that you're in a, a segment of life right now where you're determining what is right. And it's such an important window of life, kind of age 15 to age 30, because what you determine is right is going to be how you live the rest of your days, which is going to give you a picture, if you will, of, of who you are. And so there's that window. Again, you can say 30. I mean, if you're 31 years old, I'm, I'm talking to you also. If you're 14, I'm, I'm just kind of that, that age group. I'm, I'm of the persuasion that, that something happens in that window of life that you're determining what is right. And I guess my question for you, especially if you're 15 to 30, what, what are you using that, that gives you the plumb line for what is right? What, what is your standard? Well, God's word says here that it is right. That we need to be careful what we believe. We need to always go back to God's word because God's word is always correct. And then it says here that it gives us joy. Isn't that the human journey? That all of us in this place, we want joy. We want joyful times. We want a joyful spirit. We want a joyful heart. We want, we want joyful kids. We want a joyful marriage. We want our, our workplace to be a place that brings us great joy. What brings joy? It says here that God's right word brings us joy. Here's, here's the fourth benefit. It's pure. Verse 8, the commandment of the Lord is pure. It's enlightening the eyes. In other words, it's pure, verse 8, and God's word opens our eyes. The word pure there means crystal clear. In Hebrew, the word pure there means that it's clean, it's, it's obvious. And what does it do? God's word, it enlightens our, our lives, it enlightens our eyes. In other words, it dispels the darkness around us, and we're all surrounded by a present darkness. But God's word, it opens our eyes, it pushes away fear. It pushes away anxiety, it pushes away doubt, it pushes away confusion, it pushes away addictions. God's word has a way of, of opening our eyes. It enlightens us. So here's the fifth benefit of being in God's word, the fifth and last one I want to give to you today. It's true. God's word is true. 
The fear of the Lord is clean. It's enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are, are true. So what does that mean? It says here that God's word leads us to, to do right, or the Bible, your translation might use the word righteousness there. It leads us to, to do the right thing. Let me say it again. There's not much true in our world today. There's not much true that's coming out of the White House. There's not much true. That's, that's been the case as long as I've been alive. I'm 52 years old. There, there's a lot of things that, that aren't true that are coming to us from from the media, from social media, or from, from, from the news stations or, or, or news radio. There's a lot of things that just are not true coming to us today, but God's word is true. God's word is reliable. God's word is completely faithful to us because it's completely faithful to the character and to the glory of God. His word leads us to do the right thing. The right thing in our in relationships, the right things in our decisions, in our marriages, and in, in raising kids, the right things with our finances, our friendships. It leads us to do the right thing in our workplaces. It leads us to, to think the right things in our minds. God's word is true. It leads us to do right. So let me get very practical. My, my dad is 81 years old and is still preaching. He's been preaching for 55 years. One of my, the favorite things my father has, has ever said to me and to his congregations throughout the years is that my Sunday morning sermon is really meaningless unless it impacts you on Monday morning. In other words, a Sunday morning sermon isn't worth that much unless it means something to you on Monday morning. So let me get very practical today, very, very pragmatic with what we read just then about you and I being in God's Word, what we read just then in Scripture about the benefits of being in the Word of God. So let me, let's talk about getting into God's words. I'm going to give you three ups. First one, so simple. Pick it up. You're going to have to pick up God's Word. I have never in my life, heard of anyone who had God's Word on a coffee table or on a bookshelf or just unopened on your computer screen that magically, supernaturally jumped from the pages of that coffee table, the Bible on that coffee table, into your heart. Like, that's a very simple thing, but maybe for some of us today, it's a great place to start to pick up God's Word. There's no substitute for this. All right, do you feel like you're too busy? you feel like God's Word is not understandable? feel like it's boring? I mean, there's a reason it's the number one best-selling book for all, all history of all time because it's impossible for you and I to grow in our faith as fully devoted followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ, unless we, unless we pick up God's Word. So I'm, I got three ups for you. The first one is just pick it up. You're going to have to pick up God's Word. Here's the second thing. Size it up. Like, what is it that you hold in your hands when you open up Scripture? What, what is that? Let me give you a few words. Let me give you seven real quick words of what God's word is. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 14 says, For this is what the Lord Almighty says, I will make my word like a fire, and it will come out, and it will consume, and it will burn. So the first thing that God's word is, it's a fire. It's aggressive. It's hot. It is purifying. What else does a fire do? It clears out dead things. So when we're in God's word, it becomes a fire. It, it aggressively inspects our hearts. It begins to clean out the, all the dead things in our lives. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The word of the Lord is living and is active. It's like a sword, even sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates, penetrates to dividing soul and spirit and joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts. It judges the attitudes of the hearts. And so here's the second thing that I would say God's word is as we size it up. It's a sword. God's word is a sword. It goes straight to our heart. It, it cuts into our immaturities. God's word is a sword. It doesn't mess around. It goes 
directly to our heart, directly to our thoughts, directly to our attitudes, directly to our motivations. Here's the third thing God's word is, Jeremiah 23, 29. God says, is my word not like fire? Is my word not like fire, declares the word. It's like a hammer which shatters a rock. So here's my next word for God's word is we're sizing it up because before we get in God's word together this week, I want you to know what you're getting into. You're headed straight toward a hammer. A hammer of God's word, it breaks up our stubbornness. It breaks our hard hearts. It breaks our self-sufficiencies. It breaks through our pride. And God's word is like a hammer. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, For you have been born again, speaking to Christians, but not of a perishable seed, but of an imperishable seed that is the living and the enduring word of God. So what is God's word? It's a seed. In other words, it might appear small at times, but it does nothing but but grow mighty. It might take some time, but a, but a seed will produce greatness. And so even this week, if it's just a seed of God's word that you spend time in a seed of God's word, that word will grow. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a light to my feet, a lamp unto my path. So what is God's word? It's a light. God's word, it reveals to us, it guides us, it gives directions, it gives answers. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14 says, By this time you ought to be teachers, but you still need someone to teach you elementary truths from God's word over again. You still need milk and not solid meat. But anyone who lives on milk is an infant and not acquainted with this word of righteousness. But solid meat is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves. Listen very clearly here. The author of Hebrews says, who has trained themselves in God's word to distinguish right from wrong. So what is God's word? It's meat. It's nourishing. It's satisfying. It is of substance. You wouldn't give it to to a baby, to an infant, but it is the diet of the adult. Lastly, James 1.23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do so, key word, continues to do so, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in all that he does. So what is God's word? Here's my last statement about God's word. It's a mirror. Want to know who you really are? I mean, we're really good at fooling ourselves, even spiritually. Want to know who you really are? Want to know what really needs to change in your life? Do you want a true, honest evaluation of yourself? Go to God's word. It's, it's a mirror. Go to scriptures. It's a mirror to our heart. So here's the third thing. We're going to get really practical. And I'm about to get up in all of your business. So just know I'm about to, to really go from this pulpit into your heart with this one. Divide it up. So we have pick it up size it up, and we're about to divide up God's word for this week. I'm I'm about to go there. We're about to divide up God's word for this week for you. What do you need to read this week? I'm going to give you four options. I'm going to give you four options of of a book of the Bible we're going to be in together this week. I'm going to take this challenge as well. I, I live five hours from here, but I'll be reading one of these books with you this week. So here it is. Let's divide it up. Do you need to learn more this week about the life in the story of Christ? If so, I'm going to encourage you to read the Gospel of Mark this week. It'll take you 90 minutes to do so, which is 13 and a half minutes a day between this Sunday and next Sunday. So is it for you, the Gospel of Mark, you want to know more about Jesus and his life 
his story. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not the, the life of Jesus you want to learn about this week. Maybe it's practical ways that you can live out your faith this week. If that's you, I want you to read the book of James this week. Now, James is just 16 minutes in total, so it's going to take you two and a half minutes a day. I've really lowered the bar for you James people. Just two and a half minutes a day. That's all you have to read this week to get through the book of James. What about deepening a, a, your truth understanding, deepening your, deepening your understanding of doctrine, the, the deeper doctrines, the deeper truths of, of, of Jesus? I'm going to encourage you to go to the book of Colossians this week. I've lowered the bar even more. Colossians is 13 minutes in total for you to read. Two minutes a day. Some of you are thinking, man, preacher guy, I don't even remember your name, but you're, you have no idea how busy my week is. Really? Two minutes a day to go through the book of Colossians this week. Here's the last one. Some of y'all are thinking, I just need to, I need to grow in love. Like I have a hard time loving my coworkers. Sometimes I struggle loving my spouse. Sometimes I struggle loving my kids, especially after nine o'clock at night. Like I'm just, how, how can I grow in, in love? I'm gonna ask you to read the book of 1 John this week. That'll take you 16 minutes, the same as the book of James. And again, upping it a little bit, two and a half minutes a day. So Mark or James, Colossians or 1 John, you ready? Do you know which one you're reading this week? Have you made your decision yet? Because if you're going to read the book of Mark, would you just lift your hand for me real quick? You Mark readers out there, you overachievers, okay. Two of you, that's awesome. Three, okay, put your hand down. How about, we're going to have to add up at some point into 180, whatever many people are here today. How about the book of James? Who's going to read the book of James this week? Okay, awesome. Everyone always loves James. It's about 20% of you, 15% of you. Man, there's a lot of Colossians and First John people in here. I'm going to have to do this whole thing all over again. So what's, what's Colossians? Who's reading Colossians this week? Oh, man, the deeper people. Awesome. The deep folks out there are going to be in Colossians this week. And how about First John? Who's reading the book of First John this week? That's great. I think there's probably 10% that didn't raise their hands. We'll just pray for you this week. You pick whatever book you want to read. You're the non-rule followers. You're like, you're not telling me what book to read. I'm going to read my own book. I'm already doing a Bible study. I'm saying for you to do this on top of whatever Bible study you're already doing, because I think it's a cool thing when a church family is reading God's Word together. So one more time. I mean, if you didn't vote last time, I'm not asking you to vote this time. Just here it is. If you're in Mark, lift your hand again, the four of you. Okay, awesome, thanks. Those of y'all who are in the book of James, the practical people. Oh, some more James this time. That's great. My, my going through it again, work. Colossians, you deeper people, awesome. Colossians, deep people. Those who, who don't love very well, just kidding. Those who need to grow in loving, good. First John. See, if you don't want any spiritual challenge this week, don't pick up God's word. If you're satisfied where you are in Christ today and your understanding of the doctrines of the faith, do not pick up God's word. Just stay away from it. If you're satisfied where you are in your spiritual maturity, but all of us in this place, we've already agreed upon it. I heard 90% of you say yes. It's understandable, and I can read it more. It is something that can be understood by by, by the human population, and I need to be in it more often. Here's how I want to land the plane today. What do you do when you're reading the Bible? Like, what questions do you ask? Because you're going through Scripture. What question? And I even made these words rhyme. So this is an easy rhyming memorization lesson on how you read God's Word. The first thing you ask yourself when you're reading God's Word is this question. That day? And, and that day means, what, what's the context of what I'm reading? As I'm reading through Colossians this week, as I'm reading through 1 John this week, as I'm reading through the book of James this week, as I'm reading through the gospel of Mark this week, well, what was happening in that day? Who was speaking? Why were they speaking? Who was the writer? 
what was happening before the passage and after the passage. And so when you're reading God's word, you ask that question that day. You also ask the question today. Since God's word is eternal, and God's word lasts forever, and it's true for all people at all times, at all places, you can ask that question. What does that word mean to me today? How do I apply that to my life today? I'm compelled to ask, what is God saying to me today? Now, let me, let me just say, don't ask the question, what does this mean to me? Because anytime you ask the question, what does this mean to me, all of a sudden you take it through the filters of your own biases, and often I, if I'm asking, what does this mean to me, I try to justify myself in front of God's word. The question is not, what does it mean to me? The question is, what is God saying? And God, whatever you're saying, I want it to land on my heart, and I want to adjust. I, we, we live in a culture today where we want to adjust God's word to fit our behavior. And what we've got to do is adjust our behavior to fit God's word. So the question is not, what does this mean to me? The question is, what is God saying? Here's the third thing. These all rhyme. That day, today obey. Like what from this passage did I just read that I need to now obey? How do I now live? What do I need to start doing or what do I need to stop doing in light of what I just read in God's word, whether it be Mark or James or Colossians or, or 1 John? This is where, let me say this to you brothers and sisters, this is where life change begins. God's word is just information if you don't obey it. But when you begin to obey God's word, it becomes transformation. And for so many of us in the church culture today, and I'll even say here in the South, here, here in the, 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 the Western culture, the Western civilization, we like to read God's word for information. God's word was not given to us to inform us. God's word was given to us to transform us. And the transformation happens when you begin to obey the word of the Lord. This is when you begin to grow up. This is when you begin to see the blessings of God, not just when you have information about God's word, but when you're being transformed because of the obedience of God's word. Last thing, to stay with the rhyme, spirit, show the way. You got that day, today, what do I need to obey? Spirit, would you show the way? He guides us into all truth. He meaning the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that you did not leave us as orphans, but you gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us into truth. You have an excellent teacher in Jason Hatch. You've got some excellent teachers in the elders of this church. You have some excellent teachers who are coming in this 10-week window. There is no teacher like the Holy Spirit. He illuminates truth to us. So what was happening in that day? Today, how do I apply this to my life? What do I need to obey? Start doing, stop doing. Spirit, will you show me the way? This is a spiritual discipline of being in God's word, but a spiritual discipline that's motivated by, by a checklist. I guess I've got to read the Gospel of Mark. I raised my hand. I guess I've got to read the book of James. I raised my hand. Spiritual disciplines motivated by a checklist will lead to this cold legalism and boring information. It'll leave you dissatisfied. It'll leave you bored. It'll leave you comparing yourself to others. It'll, it'll, it'll make you question your motivation if your spiritual disciplines are based on a checklist, but spiritual disciplines that are motivated by the wideness of God's mercy and his love for you and his desire to, to relate to you and to know you, they will lead to a blazing, red-hot, fiery relationship with Jesus. And we know that his mercy for us is wide because we can look to the cross 
and see his love, his goodness, his faithfulness to you. Would you bow your head with me, please, as we pray together? Father, what a joy to be with Redeemer Midland today. God, my joy to be with this group of brothers and sisters. God, we want to know you by being in your word, not just for information. The last thing the Western church needs is more information. We are obese with information. God, we want to be transformed by obeying your word, being in your word, not just having other people feed it to us, but your Holy Spirit being our guide, our teacher into your word. So God, this week, as my sisters, my brothers, I've chosen the book of Colossians this week. So those who are reading Colossians this week, I'm reading it with you this week from Waco. Whether it be Mark or James or Colossians or 1 John, Father, I pray that your word would be pure and right and light to us this week. That it might be a hammer for our stubborn pride. It might be a fire that gets us going again. It would be a mirror to us that we might see who we really are in your presence. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your cross. We thank you that there's a wideness in your mercy toward us, an inexhaustible well that is constantly being poured out on us. It's the name of that Christ that we are grateful to be in your presence. We're grateful for the word of God, the scriptures given to us for the glory of God alone. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at RedeemerMidland.org.